Well, let me pray for us. God, we come to you today on Christmas Eve, and we are struck by our need for you after we sing those songs that talk about the reason why you sent your son. And so, Lord, we would like you, we would pray to you, we would plead to you to open up our hearts and minds, that you would illuminate us by your Holy Spirit with your words that you have given us to know more of the truth of who you are and why you sent your son. And we pray that these things become ever more visible in our hearts today as we look ahead to 2018. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when we think of defining moments, uh, our minds probably go to kind of epic things, right? Epic world events that have you know, shaped history. We can think about, you know, if we come at it from the the angle of the church, we think about somebody like Martin Luther, right? This year was the 500th uh, anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. We think of Martin Luther nailing those 95 theses uh, to the door of the Wittenberg Church in Germany to kick off, again, the Protestant Reformation. Um, That's that's a a world-shaping defining moment in, in the history of, of, our, of not really our lives, but in the, in the life of the world. Uh, some of us will actually probably go to the movies in the next few days or in the next week and uh, see a new movie that just got released called Darkest Hour, which uh, is about a moment in history when Winston Churchill had to decide, he had to make a decision between making a peace treaty with Nazi Germany or standing firm and fighting Uh, for freedom. And again, these are all defining moments. They're all era-defining moments that shape futures, right? And so when we think of defining moments, we kind of tend to go big. And then there's the rest of us who are confronted with our own defining moments, however big, however small, however significant or insignificant that they feel. We're, We're faced with our own decisions which will change our own futures and maybe even the futures of people that are directly affected by us. And again, some of these moments, they can seem small and they can seem insignificant, but what they do is they trigger something. They trigger a series of events that lead to decisions that will change everything. Now, I remember one such event in my life, uh, which was about eight, nine years ago. I remember driving through downtown Ashland one night in 2009, while I lived in California, while I was on the road, while I happened to be traveling. Um, it was late at night. I stopped at Denny's, you know, by the highway, because that's what we had and still have here. Um, I didn't have the slightest idea that I was getting a glimpse of my future at Denny's. And it really, it, 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 you know, it really kind of, it kind of comes home to me a little bit more because I was sitting at Denny's with some fellas on Friday morning. So that was literally a glimpse of my future. And this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to read about a man named Joseph who became the future stepfather of Jesus Christ. We're going to explore a few things. We're going to explore, number one, two defining moments in Joseph's life. And then we're going to look at the way that Joseph responded in those moments. And then finally, um, we're going to see the defining moment that needs to occur in our life to give all the other defining moments that we will experience meaning and direction. So what we're going to do is we're going to step through Matthew 1, 18 through 25, and pick up with me right here in verse 18, if you would, in Matthew, and follow along. It says this, 
Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. We're going to stop right there for right now. So I'm guessing that right about now, many of you are making plans, like I am, for 2018. And it doesn't matter what it is. Whatever it is, you're, you're plotting, you're maybe praying, I hope you're praying, you're planning on things you hope will happen as the new year unfolds. But the question then is what happens if your plans are interrupted? When we look down at this story, whatever Joseph was plotting, whatever he was praying, whatever he was planning for had just taken the unexpected left turn of like all unexpected left turns. His fiancée Mary becomes pregnant, and it just so happens that he is not the father. Now, Matthew wants us to be very clear in our understanding about a couple of things here. Number one, that Mary's pregnancy was not natural, but it was supernatural so that we don't misunderstand or try to attribute it to a concept that we feel more comfortable with because, you know, we live in an age of science and reason, right? Number two... We also want to know that Joseph initially thought exactly what all of us would think if we were given this same information, right? Now, to the first point, the virgin birth of Jesus, it was actually prophesied uh, in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, when Isaiah writes, therefore, the Lord himself, he said, will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So... What Matthew wants you to know is that this is not something that's part of his overactive imagination. This is not the result of just some pagan folklore sneaking its way into the story. Matthew is very clear on how he wants you to understand what this birth is. This is to be distinctly understood to be the supernatural movement of a supernatural God who intervenes in the natural affairs of men and women to accomplish his purposes. Mary had not been with Joseph. She had not been with any other man. That needs to be understood. She was found to be with child supernaturally by a work of the Holy Spirit. So how does Joseph then respond to this defining moment? Well, honestly, given the circumstances, I, I think he responds pretty well. Right? I mean, we're told in verse 19 that Joseph, we're told something about his character. We're told that Joseph was a just, a law-abiding dude who doesn't want to drag Mary through the courts, which he could have, but decides to divorce her privately in order to avoid the shame, the ridicule, and the gossip that making it public would have brought on her. So this first defining moment that we see that comes into Joseph's life here, this pregnancy, what we find out, what we get to know about Joseph from the get-go is that when he was faced with something of this nature, he has character. This is a brother that had character. Yes, he had rights. He had rights. And in fact, it says he was going to exercise those rights. But he refused to add any further shame to Mary, even though, in his understanding, she dealt shamefully with him. So this was the first defining moment 
that we see Joseph being faced with. And here's the second defining moment as we move on to verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which... I should turn to the next page, not the next five pages. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So the second defining moment in Jesus' life, in Jesus and Joseph's life, is a dream. Now, let's not think for a minute that Joseph, that our boy Joe, isn't stressing a little bit right now. And let's make sure we understand the humanity of what's going on right now in the heart and the soul of Joseph. Think about some of the momentous decisions that you have had to face, that maybe are on the horizon for 2018 that you know you're going to have to face that you just haven't gotten to yet. Think about some of those things. Think about how they overwhelm you even right now. Think about how they dominate every square inch of your thinking. Do you have moments that are on the horizon for you that are just, have just descended on you? It's all you can think about, even at Christmas time. It's all you can be preoccupied about. It's these kinds of defining moments that have the ability to do that. Think about everything Joseph was considering right now. First off, a marriage engagement in Joseph's day, man, it was just as binding as a marriage. Joseph was as good as married to Mary in terms of his commitment to her. The only thing that wasn't happening is they weren't living together like a married couple lives together. So in effect, you know what Joseph was experiencing right now? Joseph was experiencing a failed marriage. Everything he had dreamed of his life becoming and being with Mary, it was gone, right? He would have to rethink everything. He would have to start over. How many of us have had to start over because something we were planning or something we've been pursuing has just completely collapsed? But here's the second time we see God supernaturally intervene in the life of Mary and Joseph. An angel appears to him in a dream and tells him, Brother, all is not what it seems. The angel says, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Joseph is reassured. The angel says, It's okay to commit to Mary. He says, She's been faithful to you. She's not been unfaithful to you. He said, This pregnancy is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. He said, She's going to give birth to his son. You're going to name him. His name is Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. And to make sure his readers stay tracking with him, Matthew quotes from the verse I already quoted from Isaiah 7.14 to affirm that the Lord had already foretold this pregnancy and was now fulfilling it. All of this was coming to pass the way every word of God that he spoke in the Old Testament through the prophets has come or is coming to pass. So we have two defining moments here for Joseph. First, his fiance gets pregnant supernaturally. And secondly, God appears to him in a dream with instructions for what 
to do. So now the question is, how does Joseph respond? Well, let's look in verse 24. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So in the face of what we can only imagine to be a level of unparalleled doubt and heart-shrinking fear, I'm telling you, Joseph does everything the Lord instructs him to do in the dream. I mean, let that settle on you for a minute. He wakes up, he does all the angel commanded him. He takes Mary to be his wife, doesn't consummate the marriage until after she gives birth, and then names the baby Jesus after he is born. Joseph woke up and he did all he was commanded to do. Given everything Joe was facing, this, I, I think this was outrageous. I think it was outrageous and courageous at the same time. But there were two characteristics that shaped Joseph in these defining moments that descended upon him. Two things. The first one was truth, and the second one was trust. Joseph accepted. Joseph believed the truth about what happened to Mary. It didn't matter what kind of opinions people would have and what kind of gossip would spread about Mary's pregnancy. And I mean, let's not be under any illusions here. There was going to be plenty of that throughout their entire life. In fact, when you read the Gospels, it talks about that. It never ended for them. In fact, at one point in Jesus' life, the teacher said, we don't even know who your dad is. Like, what's I mean, so there was scandal about this all the way through their lives. But it didn't matter what kind of doubts that Joseph even personally had because he was committed to a truth that challenged his sense of reason. And this truth led him to trust in a sovereign Lord over and above his limited understanding. Truth meant that Joseph didn't need to hide in shame. He didn't need to do that. He didn't need to adopt a new religion because this whole thing was turning out to be a sham. He didn't have to give up because raising Jesus wasn't what he had signed up for. And it wasn't. Joseph had courage. The defining moments of your life, of my life, will be what shape our character. Will you stay true when those moments descend upon you? Will you trust when those moments come bearing down on you? Not trust your circumstances. Will you trust the Lord with all your heart? Will you lean not on your own understanding like we see Joseph doing here? Look, Joseph could have easily tried to justify himself in this situation. And you know what? He easily could have found justification to leave Mary and move on. None of his friends, none of his family would have argued his case. He wasn't going to get an argument from anybody. But can you imagine the arguments and defenses that rose up in Joseph's heart? You can imagine those, can't you? I didn't sign up for this. This is your son, Mary. I don't deserve this level of ridicule. 
Do we think that those things didn't rise up in his heart? So what then does the story of Joseph encourage us to be as we get ready to roll into another new year? As we get ready to face a series of defining moments, rather significant or insignificant, Well, the defining characteristics of Joseph were truth and trust. And when those are our defining characteristics, what truth and trust lead us to is the very same thing that they led Joseph and Mary to, which was obedience. So the truth of receiving what the angel had told him about Mary and the trust and the trust that he adopted by acting on that truth That was obedience. That's what we see in the life of Joseph. And here's what it looked like. Here's what obedience looked like very specifically in the life of Joseph. Number one, obedience was acting courageously in the face of adversity. That's what we see in Joseph's life, acting courageously in the face of adversity. It's worth noting a couple of things on that. Number one, Joseph hadn't done anything to call this scandal upon himself. Do you get that? But Jesus called Joseph into the scandal. And I think that gives us some insight into the ways that God works, not only in Joseph's life, but in our life. We say, I didn't ask for this. I did not choose this situation. That's what we say. We sort of clench our fist. I didn't choose this inconvenience. I didn't choose this road. And God says, I know, I I did. So then the question becomes, what will you do? Number two, something that we need to take note of is that the angel of the Lord didn't say anywhere that everything's going to be all right, does he? He does not mention anywhere that everything's going to be cool. He doesn't tell Joseph that taking Mary as his wife is going to equal his best life now. He doesn't say that. What's implied here is that obeying God was going to be costly. Joseph didn't choose this moment. God chose Joseph for this moment that defined his life. Man, again, can we just just bring this down to earth? Every day Joseph saw Mary's belly grow with that child inside of her, he had to remind himself that what the angel said was true that God was with him. The angel was not visiting Joseph every night in a dream to reassure him, right? Joseph had to act courageously and faithfully in the face of this adversity. Does your life reflect the truth that God is with you when you face adversity like Joseph? Do you push through your doubts like him? Do you find your reassurance by reminding yourself that everything God has ever said is always true? Joseph did not choose this moment. God chose Joseph for this moment that defined his life. What did Joseph do? He did what he was commanded. Obedience will finally mean something to us when it costs us something. This cost Joseph. 
So obedience for him was acting courageously in the face of adversity, and it was costly obedience. It was nothing he had asked for. Number two, obedience was submitting to wisdom that went beyond his knowledge. And that's what it is for us. It's submitting to wisdom that goes beyond your knowledge. Here's what's so interesting about this account. Everything Joseph did lacked earthly logic, didn't it? Everything he did, every move he made in obedience, it lacked earthly logic. Except this supernatural pregnancy, don't divorce Mary, get married, raise this child, willingly put myself in the middle of scandal and gossip. Those were the questions for Joseph. Everything he was about to do lacked any earthly logic or wisdom. But then some of us might kind of back up and say, yeah, I get what you're trying to say here. I get where you're rolling with this big R. But it was different for him because he had this supernatural word from the Lord. To which I say, and you don't? Whenever you would like a supernatural word from the Lord, whenever you want to hear God's will for your life, whenever you want to hear God speak audibly to you, here's what you do. You open this book and start reading out loud. That's what you do. That is the word of God to us. That is the will of God for us. That is the sanctification of our lives before God. It's all found here. There's no mystery. We don't know how God's going to move, but we know what he says about the places he wants to move and how he wants us to move in them. God's will for your life is the same as God's will for Joseph's life. Will you trust the truth of God's word? Will you submit to wisdom that goes beyond your knowledge? Because you know what? You, myself, we are faced with defining moments all the time. And these are character-defining moments where your decision will always be one of truth and trust versus comfort and control. The problem with comfort and control, and control specifically, is that the minute you start seeking your own control, you've already lost it. Paul Tripp says this, there are only two ways of living. You're either confessing that you were created by God to be dependent on his wisdom, power, and grace, or you are believing that you have within yourself everything you need to live well on your own. But he just narrows it right down. But, but wasn't Joseph's life, wasn't this moment in Joseph's life, wasn't it so narrowed down to those two things? Am I going to depend on God's wisdom, power, and grace? Or am I going to believe that everything I need can be found within me? For us to choose the latter now for Joseph's life, given the information we have, would be preposterous, wouldn't it? Do you see the vantage point that we have being able to look back on Joseph's life and say, well, of course, Joseph, of course the right move here now is to depend on God's wisdom, power, and grace. Did you see the vantage point that we have on Joseph's life is the same vantage point that someday we will have on our lives looking back if we just make the decision to trust and obey?
So what will then define you in 2018? What defined you this year? What defined you this year? A bunch of random, scattered, uncontrollable moments? Is that what shaped you? Was it a series of heartbreaking events? Some of you have had heartbreaking events. I know because I've sat with you and you've told me what those events are. But are those the defining moments of your life? Was it those bad decisions that you just couldn't stop making? I had a few of those. Was it just finding yourself in a perpetual state of discontentment and unhappiness and going back to Barnes and Noble and grabbing a one off the self-help section to try to fix it, try to find a remedy, to find out what's, what's not going well for you, what's trying to make you tick that's not working? If these are the defining moments of your life, they will be the gods that control your life. Believe it or not, the defining moment of Joseph's life, listen, was not that he found the courage to act in the face of adversity. It was actually not that he submitted to a wisdom beyond his knowledge. All those things were true and they were right and they were necessary, but those things won't really help you in and of themselves in the long run. Those things may inspire you, but they can't really change you. If that was true, then this would just be a really bad self-help message instead of just a really bad message. The defining moment for you and for me must be the same moment that defined Mary and Joseph. It must be the moment that God sent his son Jesus to deliver us from all the defining moments in our life where we place our trust in ourselves instead of Jesus. That has to be the defining moment. Gosh, me and Melissa, we like to walk a lot. We take a lot of walks to clear our heads. And it's been awesome walking through the neighborhoods. We love looking at the lights. And, um, well, we always walk by this one house, and if it's one of your houses, I'm sorry. Um, but there's this nativity scene in front of this one house. And every time we walk by it, we're, we always comment on it. I don't know what we comment on it, but, you know, at one point it had just snowed. And so we're walking by the house, and it's all glowing. It's like late at night, and you got Joseph, and you got Mary, and you have the manger, Jesus in the manger buried under two feet of snow, right? And we were talking about that, and we were, we were thinking about it in the sense that we, we tend to look at Mary and Joseph as, as a nativity scene, don't we? We think of it as a nativity scene on the end of one of our tables or on our lawn if that's the way we like to roll, right? But these are flesh and blood people. I mean, this, was a, this is a true story of a flesh and blood person, Joseph, a flesh and blood person, Mary, who faced some things, who faced some moments like we face. I mean, not, not like we face. We don't face what they faced, but like we face. You're like, that didn't make any sense, Ronnie, but I get what you're saying. But they faced doubts. These were doubtful moments. They faced decisions of which they didn't know what to do. Joseph didn't know what to do. They faced fears because that was fearful, what it is that they were getting ready to embark on. 
They faced worries because they didn't know what the outcome was going to be. They lacked faith. They lacked faith. They were confused. Joseph was confused. I don't know what to do. I've never been faced with this. Help me. And that's how some of us feel. We just want help. And the problem is, is that we go to the very things that define us to try to get that help and receive that wisdom even when it doesn't align with the kind of wisdom that we get from God, which is to trust, which is to go back to what's true, and then to obey on the heels of that. That's why the heart of the nativity scene is not about the obedience or even the courage of Mary and Joseph. That's not what that scene is. When you walk by that nativity scene, that's not what that is. When you look at Mary and Joseph, the, the, the reaction that should well up in our hearts is not, wow, in the face of adversity, and so much inspiration, they push through so much. That's not really what it's about. The nativity scene is about the obedience of Jesus. The nativity scene is about the one who came to be the defining moment to shape all the other defining moments of our life. If, like Joseph and like Mary, we will just believe God. That's the defining moment that will define all the other moments that shape your life and may wreck your life, by the way, this year. I know it's Christmas. But we don't know what kind of year that we are heading into. So what is it that we want to define and shape us? What do we need to go back to? What do we need to spring back to before 2018 just hits us like a bullet? What do we need to spring back to? Well, we need to do what Joseph did. We need to go back to the truth of God's word, which is trust me, believe me, do what I have given you to do. Engage with me and my word. Pray with me. Connect with my church body. Do the things that I have given you so that you can receive the life I have for you with the means I've given you to do it. Just do those things. And guess what? I will give you the wisdom to navigate all of those defining moments that come your way because I have become the defining moment in your life of which all of those things will flow out of and you will find answers for. So let me finish the passage from John chapter 5, verse 24, when Jesus said this. Truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Joseph and Mary were people that had passed from death to life. They were people who had heard God's word. They were people who had believed in the one who had sent them the child that they were about to raise that would go on to raise dead people into new life. That defined them. Will that define us? Let's pray.
God, we just rejoice that we have news like this. This is the news that we get to take home today. This is the news that gets to carry us into Christmas. This is the news that gets to carry us into the new year. This is the defining moment of our lives that changes everything. The birth, life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Lord, we acknowledge our weakness. We acknowledge that we don't have crystal balls. We don't know what this new year is going to bring, but we know how easy it is for our tendency to back into those things that we think are giving us a measure of comfort and control. And we've seen that you have called us instead to live lives of truth and trust. You've called us instead to go back to Christ as the defining moment of our lives that will shape all the other defining moments. So God, I pray that you would strengthen us and encourage us and help us to put Christ first, to do the things that you have given us to do, to open your word, to hear from you, to pray to you, because we have your ear when we pray to you, the creator of the universe. And God, I pray that we would stay close to our church family. And if we don't have a church family, that we would seek one out. That we would find men and women who are seeking after you. That would walk beside us through those defining moments in 2018. That we would have people that would be with us in our pain. That would walk with us in our hurt. And by that we would experience the love and the grace and the mercy of Christ. Lord, teach us obedience, I pray. Help us to be a church that obeys you, that hopes in you, that believes you, and then shines like a light into the darkness of our community as a result. So Lord, thank you for the truth and the hope that we have as we wake up tomorrow remembering the gift that was and is Christ. We pray all these things in his name. Amen.